0: I invite you, if you will, to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and let us pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the privilege of joining together in worship. We give you thanks, dear God, for your holy word and for this opportunity to study it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love children. Just had the opportunity a few moments ago to celebrate yet again in a baptism. The baptism of a child. I I got to go visit with the family earlier this week. Then today, you know, after practicing, had the child up in my arms and, and was able just to kind of hold on to them. I love kids. I love being around them. I have people tell me sometimes, when you do a baptism, you can just tell you love children. I do. I love children. I just think children are awesome. Love to cut up with them, love to play with them, love to have a good time. Children are sponges. I just love the way they just take in everything. They see everything, they're aware of what's happening around them. often wonder, when you watch a little toddler just kind of staring around, you're going, what is going on in that little mind? I remember the movie, Look Who's Talking, you know, when you kind of get that glimpse of what a child might be thinking when we're making all these crazy sounds and faces in front of them just to watch them, take it in, watch them grow. And I love to hear God stories. In our staff meetings on Tuesday afternoons, one of the things that we'll do is sometimes is we'll hear God moments or God stories, God sightings. It's those times where, in the life of our ministry, we talk about, you know, let me show, tell you the story about where God was just incredibly present. Sometimes Carolyn Nelson, our children's minister, will go, oh, I just need to tell you all this story. But what's really cool when Carolyn Nelson tells us a story is... We know that part of the way through it, she's going to lose it. Because <laughs> she just loves the kids. And as she starts telling you this story, she's going to go, this is just amazing. And this is why we do what we do. And it's just I love to hear her get excited about what's happening in the life of a child. And then Miss Emily sometimes, she'll come in, she's our preschool director, and she'll go, let me tell you about our little guys this week. And that's the way Miss Emily often refers in our preschool to the kids as our little guys. And so she'll start telling you these stories about something that happened, something that was said. Miss Keene, who's the principal of our academy, was sharing the other day that that she came in, and, and, and there was this one little boy that just kind of had his head down, and he, he could just tell he was a little bit sad. And, and she said, well, what's wrong? And, and she called him by name, of course, and, and they started talking a little bit. And, and he was sharing that this other little boy that, that he was always friends with, that they weren't, they weren't getting along right then. They were mad at each other. And, and so she, you know, she was talking about what are you going to do about it? And, and, and he had on this little bracelet from the academy because our theme this year is that, you know, we're many parts, one body from, you know, 1 Corinthians with the body of Christ. And, and so he looked at her and he said, well, and he starts rubbing that little bracelet and he goes, we're going to have to get along for the body to work. <laughs> wow. I mean, isn't that absolutely incredible? The things that they're getting it. You're going, wow, they get it. These the, the kids are absolutely amazing, and, and we hear about the children and homework help, you know, which is, is absolutely amazing to hear some of the things that are happening in our Monroe campus, and, and, and Meredith and Charlie will tell these incredible stories, and Meredith didn't know that I was going to share that, so this morning at the 815 service, when she told that story, I said, wow, you didn't know that I was going to talk about when you guys come in and tell those kind of stories. And we get to hear about our youth and how our youth really are taking it in, that they've they've heard these Bible stories, but they're beginning to figure out, so this is what that looks like in our lives. And it's amazing to get to hear those statements. I mean, I love kids, and I love the faith of children and youth. And I've shared with you before that if if I ever have one of those diagnoses that we, we don't want to get, I want you to pray for me. I'll invite you to pray for me, but I'm going to the children's department. Because those are the ones who pray without thinking twice about it. I mean, they're the ones who believe fully that God can do what God says God can do. And they pray with just sincere faith. I love kids. And I love the privilege. As I mentioned, I had the the privilege just this past week. I went to two different homes with families that that have children and and, and we were going to do the baptism one we just did and other ones coming up in a week or so. And, and, And just to be able to talk about what are we saying here? When we celebrate that, that God already loves our kids, that God loves our kids from the very beginning, that God's grace is at work in their lives. But now we have this incredible responsibility as parents of the church to raise them in the faith and to nurture that faith so that when they're old enough to make their own decisions, they would be led to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I mean, when when I'm getting ready to do a wedding and and couples are going to take vows, we meet ahead of time and we go over all the vows so that we know, I want you to know what you're getting ready to say to each other because this is between you and God and it's pretty significant. And and so when a family is going to have their first child baptized, I like to meet with the family and, and we go over the vows and what we're doing because these vows are pretty significant that you're getting ready to say. I mean, think about what we're saying here. The parents just said a minute ago, and we've said, my parents said about me, when we ask, will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and your example, it's, just not, it's not just what you say, but how you live your life, by your teaching and by your example, so that they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. I mean, and that those are significant vows that we talk about. And then we as the body of Christ, we join together and our vow similar, it goes like this, Ditto. Except we we made it a little more liturgical sounding than that. But basically we're going, yeah, we'll do that too. We as the body of Christ will nurture. So one of the things I think is beautiful about it is is that we recognize that every child in the life of this church is one of our kids. It's not their kid, it's our kids we've been given this incredible privilege of being the part of a child or a youth's life. And it's a sacred privilege and an awesome responsibility that goes with it. And God is intimately involved. I mean, the scripture tells us in Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14, for it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, God was intimately involved in making you and every child and every youth in this place. There's only a couple times, as I've shared with you before, when Jesus becomes angry. One of them was when he had to cleanse the temple. And the other one was when he was teaching one day and said people wanted to bring their kids. And some of the disciples went, no, 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 that's why we have the nursery. That's why we have these other programs. Don't bring your kids in here. And Jesus saw what was happening, and Mark says he became indignant. He said, don't you ever, ever, ever forbid a child from, for coming to me. It's for such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. So when God decided to come as a kid, when God decided that he was going to put on flesh and live among us, when God decided he wanted to experience everything we experienced from birth to grave, when God decided I will come as a baby, I will send my only begotten son as a child, he had to find just the right family, (laughs) just the right family to nurture this child. Just the right family who would, who would take seriously that role and take seriously those vows and take seriously that faith. A family that understood Proverbs 22, verse 6, that says, train up a child in the way they should go, and, and when they get old, they'll not stray from it. Looking for a family who understood Deuteronomy chapter 6, where, where God teaches, it, yes, the greatest commandment is that you should love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind. But then God says, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. So recite this to your children. And talk about it when you're at home. And talk about it when you're away. And when you lie down and when you rise up. But you make sure you teach your kids this faith. Why are we talking about this? Well, we've been studying the Gospel of Luke. And I love the Gospel of Luke because Luke tells you in the very first chapter that at, this, at the time that Luke wrote this Gospel, there were already other Gospels that have been written. He says there are other Gospels about Jesus that have been written. But God inspired Luke to write yet another one. So why? What is it that God was wanting us to hear from Luke. So over the last several weeks, we've been studying the Gospel of Luke, looking at what are some of the nuances, what are some of the differences, what do we learn, what did God want us to learn from Luke? And one of the things that you see in the Gospel of Luke that you don't see in the others is Luke tells you no less than five times Luke will share with you that Joseph and Mary did exactly what they were supposed to do with the faith that Joseph and Mary did exactly what they were to do to fulfill what God's Word had called on them to do. Luke wants you to know, he spends more time letting you hear about this little kid Jesus, this toddler Jesus, this 12-year-old Jesus, than any of the other Gospels. For example, Luke tells you about the circumcision, Luke 2, verse 21. At eight days, after eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I mean, back in the Old Testament, God said to Abraham, this is a sign of the covenant. It's a sign that, that you belong to this people of faith. At eight days of age, you'll have the male child circumcised. It's a sign of the covenant, and, and that's when you name them. So just a while ago, we did the baptism. We said, what name is given this child? The parents shared the name. I already knew the name. It was in the bulletin. But there was something sacred about this is, this, this is my child. And this is who I'm getting ready to take vows for. This is his name. The naming of the child. It's a sign of the, the covenant community that, that we belong to the people of God. When Jesus was 40 days of age, it was time for the purification of Mary and the dedication of Jesus. So Luke 2.22 goes on to say, And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then we skip ahead. Luke takes us up to where Jesus is 12. And remember we hear that that story when Joseph and Mary go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover? And they leave Jesus there. Remember the story of how they go away and, and Jesus is left behind? Well, here's what's important, though, to catch that Luke wants you to get. That was not the first time Jesus had ever been there. For Luke tells you in Luke 2, verse 41, Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival over the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of what we do. We're the people of God. We're the people of faith. And they raised Jesus in the faith. And then when Jesus began his ministry in Luke four, verse 16, the scripture says, and when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Jesus had been raised that way. You know, it's a, it's a privilege for us to be a part of a child's life. It's a privilege for us and a sacred opportunity to be a part of molding and shaping a child. It's one of the reasons when we meet with the preschool families or the academy families together that I I often have the opportunity to to give a welcome and to share a prayer and and we say thank you. Thank you for allowing us this this incredible privilege of, of being a part of a child's life. That's a sacred gift from God. It's not something for us to ever look down on. I was blessed. I had Parents that were amazing who took seriously their vows when I was baptism that they would nurture me in the faith and life, and they did. And, and it was, our faith was always a vital part of, of who we are. And parents, I want to share with you now, when, 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 Jesus, when God was looking for somebody to help raise their child in the faith, you need to hear this. He wasn't looking for someone who would be their best friend. Parents, your task is not to be your kid's best friend. Your task is to be your kid's parent. And it's, it, your, your task is not to be the coolest dad that ever lived or, or to be the coolest mom that there ever was. I mean, the, to be the cool dad is nice, and I was blessed to be able to pull that off. But that's not our task. I mean, think about it this way. When you want to be the cool dad or the cool mom, who is the object of that sentence? It's you. But parenting is when the other becomes the object. Parenting is when they become what's important, not your ego or not who you are. It's when the child, when that kid, when that youth, when that young person is the most important that's when it begins to make the difference. I was blessed. I mean, I was blessed to be in a family where uh, I grew up in the church, and and my grandmother went to the church that I grew up in. I grew up out in the country where people still near li- lived a lot near their families, and, and so my grandmother was in worship with us. My parents were in worship with us, and and I got to grow up in in the faith. And, and oftentimes, you know, we sit back in the back. We grew up in that little country church where, you know, you have the main part of the sanctuary, but then there's those two little classrooms in the back that have doors that close, and it becomes a Sunday school room, but they open up, and it becomes part of the worship space. That's the kind of church I grew up in. And so, you know, periodically we would sit back there in the back, and we thought that was the coolest thing. Now, we got one free look because Mom and Dad sat up closer, so if we cut up a little bit, you got to... But if you got the second one, you wanted to go to somebody else's house for lunch because it was not (laughs) going to be fun at your place. But I grew up in the church and and I grew up with faith being passed down. And and I'm blessed like Timothy was when Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and and then in your mom, Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. I, I grew up blessed that way. But it wasn't always just my parents. I was blessed with some amazing Sunday school teachers, amazing Sunday school teachers, vacation Bible school teachers, and volunteers that helped out. I mean, we were talking about this the other day as we were planning worship, and I said, "You know, I can—I still know my Sunday school teachers' names. I still remember them." Now that tells you about an impact. But I still remember their names. I mean, I remember Miss Ruthie. Now, I'm talking about Miss Ruthie Johnson was my teacher when we had the little table, the table that sits way down low and the little chairs that sit down low. And and I can remember sitting down in that little chair at that little table as a little boy and Miss Ruthie, who was old when I was a kid, (laughs) teaching us the faith, telling us about this Jesus, teaching us those incredible stories, and then from Miss Ruthie, we were passed off to Miss Mary Lackey. You moved over to the other classroom because you were getting bigger now, so you you kind of moved up to the other class. And, and Miss Mary then taught us the classes, and now we had the medium-sized table and the medium-sized chairs, and, and and we were sitting there learning about the faith. And and then we got passed on to Mama Wilma, and I've shared with you about Mama Wilma before because Ralph and Wilma didn't have their own children. So they adopted every kid in the church. They loved all of us. She gave me my very first Bible, a little red Bible. It sits in my office today. I just showed it to the disciple class a couple weeks ago. And, And Mama Wilma wrote in that Bible when I was only eight years old. She wrote, I hope you'll teach this book someday. She had no clue the impact that she had in my life. She was just one of those special people that we loved dearly. She taught of the faith. And then when I got to be a youth age... Well, then they asked us one time, who would you like to be your Sunday school teacher? And we said, I wonder if Mr. Sam would do it, Sam Martin. I mean, I remember Sam because you know, Sam was a mason, brick mason, and, and, and then he also, you know, he was a farmer, and, and, and he wasn't kin to, to us. He wasn't kin to me. But we knew Sam had something. You just tell. Sam has something. He has some incredible faith, and we just want to get what he's got. I mean, isn't that what transmitting the faith is? Is when you go, they've got an incredible faith and I'd like to be able to have the kind of faith that they have and to be able to share it. And Sam taught us the faith. And then there was a pastor that I had. His name was Bill. and Bill was just one of those incredible kind of guys. He, he had been to Vietnam and served as, as in the Army of Special Forces, Green Beret, rode a motorcycle, which meant he was the coolest thing that had ever happened. But I came out of that little room and I moved up toward the front to hear Bill preach because I noticed that when he preached, periodically, his eyes would water. And I couldn't figure out what it was that would, that would make somebody that tough emotional. I wanted to learn, Tell what is it about your faith that could bring that kind of reaction from somebody like that? And I wanted that. I wanted that. You see... You never know who's watching you. You never know who's, who's paying attention to you. And, and what's amazing is, is our church is full of kids, and all these kids are God's kids, and that means all these kids are your kids. I mean, it's amazing. If, if you want to see something interesting someday, and Miss Carolyn just came in a few minutes ago, and I saw her back there, our children's minister. If you want to see something fun, just get Carolyn to walk you through the children's department in the midst of Sunday school. It takes over a hundred adult volunteers to corral all those kids together and to teach them their faith. But one of the coolest things that I get to do, you know, I I uh, I preach at nine thirty and, and when the nine thirty service ends, I slide out that door, out to my car, zip over to the Family Life Center, run in. They're in the middle of the service, and, and so then I step up and I preach at the 1010, and then I watch and I'm seeing on the little clock that they give us there that, that you know the eleven o'clock service is starting, so I kind of know about where we are, and, and then to jump back in the car and zip back over here and go down through the children's wing and because I'm not wearing a robe at the other services. So i got a robe up, put the cross on, stoles on, everything ready, look in the mirror. Shh, it looks good. Then, you know, then look real quick at the TV monitor because we have one downstairs so that we can see where you are in the worship service. So, that you know, do I have time for a swallow water? No, I don't. Reggie's about to panic. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you come rushing up, but I get to run through the children's wing and get to see and hear sometimes these children as as you see somebody sitting there telling them a story, and over here there's, there's this guy, this man, who's teaching young children the faith. And, and over here they're on the floor, but over here there's a kid coming up and showing them something, asking a question, don't know what it was, but you can tell they're interested. And I'd love to see what God is doing and to hear those stories. A couple weeks ago after Meet Weddington, I hung around with... Uh, the youth when they started their youth meeting and I was in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes so you know I was shooting basketball with some of the kids as they were coming in getting ready for the youth event it's just kind of neat to watch the adult chaperones the adult counselors and others who come in who are willing to invest in the lives of these young people and so we're talking we're laughing we're cutting up and I'm having a great time with them until they started playing dodgeball then I quit (laughs) because they don't play dodgeball with one ball I mean, they put tons of balls out there in the middle of the floor, and you got balls coming in all directions, but really what's funny to watch is the youth, because they don't know how to handle it when the adults are out there, because they're always taught you're supposed to respect the adults, but it's dodgeball. What do you do? (laughs) Can I really throw this at that adult and really hit them? You know, and so you watch, and and, and Meredith, just to kind of prove a point, walks right through the court doing this. (laughs) And all the kids are like, I'm not not going to go through damnation for that. (laughs) I'm not hitting a youth minister. But it's kind of fun to watch and to be a part of their lives because in just a little while they're going to circle up and they're going to share their faith and their lives. And the cool thing about the youth is that they've grown up now with these Bible stories and they're beginning to see how how does this impact my life. You see, I think children and youth are amazing. And they're incredible gifts. And sometimes I think when we outgrow that, we forget that. The sacredness of having kids in the life of our church. Because what I was sharing with you earlier was that that most of most of my Sunday school teachers were grandparent types. And that's one of the things I have shared with Miss Carolyn that I, I really regret here is that we don't have we don't have a lot of the of the grandparent types that are teaching the Sunday school classes for the kids. And I think the kids are missing something because most of our kids didn't grow up near their, you know, they're, they're, their families aren't here. They're here because work brought them here. But Grandma and Grandpa don't always live nearby. That's why I was, I was coaching a church one time. I was, I was asked by the conference if I would, I would be willing to help a church that was struggling. It was the first church in a small town. And they were struggling. We were becoming an older congregation, not many children. And they couldn't figure out how to grow. And so I was sent in to kind of coach them and try to help out. And, and, uh, and so we were, we were just having some conversation. And the conference said, you know, we'll pay. And I said, no, I don't want any pay. And the church said, well, we'll pay. I said, I don't want any pay. I want to be able to come in here and tell you what I think without anybody having a dime in it. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just want to do this. It's part of our church's ministry. I'll do this. And, and so I'm talking to them one day, and, and they're, they're, they're mumbling the fact that they don't have a lot of kids. And I said, well, you know, you, you're, one of your symptoms is right outside. They said, what? And I said, your playground. They had a beautiful playground. I mean, absolutely gorgeous playground. They didn't have a lot of kids in the church. Gorgeous playground. But it had a sign on the front that basically said, no trespassing, this is for first church people only. And I went, now one of the first things that I think you should do is get rid of that stupid sign. Why? Well, I told them, they said, well, you know, what if they get hurt or whatever? I said, they're going to get hurt anyway. And you're going to get sued anyway. So you might as well let them have fun. <laughs> Now, our church's insurance person is listening to this sermon and probably going to go, we need to talk Mondays. <laughs> but, I mean, the point of it was, is I said, you need to change your sign to go, welcome to our playground. And we would love to have you in our church. And, and maybe when they're out there, go out there and say, hey. Say hello. Talk to them. I kid you not, it was just a week or two later, I was back you know, to work with them again, and this guy came in and he said, well, I came in a while ago. There's this boy out there riding skateboard on the parking lot. I said, what'd you do? He said, I told him, get that skateboard off our parking lot. I went, seriously? He goes, well, yeah. i not supposed to be riding skateboard on our parking lot. I said, well, where else are they going to ride it? Down the street. I said, that would have been a great opportunity for you to have gone up to him and said, hey, what you doing.'" Talk about your name and share with them. You know, I'd love to have had a skateboard when I was your age. When I was your age, we went around with a tire and a stick behind it, you know, chasing <laughs> it around. It had been a great opportunity for you to have talked about what you did when you were a kid. To get to know the kid. Learn the kid's name. Let the kid learn your name. Because that's God's kid. And you had the opportunity to help nurture that faith. And so we started talking about it. And they shared, you know, well, we just, there's just not much that we can offer. And I said, I think you have something amazing to offer your church and this community. Because there are a lot of kids in the community, just not in the church. And they said, well, what can we offer? I said, laps. You have laps. I said, what? I said, well, most of these kids, grandparents, don't live around here. And you want to show me you love me, love my kids. So if you just take a moment to love these kids and teach them the faith, their families might start coming because most parents would love for their kids to get to know older people. There's, there's nothing like intergenerational relationships to have grandparent-type figures. And, I mean, and we told them, I told them a story. Nancy and I were talking about this, that, that back when our kids were little and we were living in Oak Ridge, which is just outside of Greensboro, There was a couple in the church, their name were Mack and Evelyn. Now, we did not live, you know, Greensboro wasn't really close to where I grew up or close to where Nancy grew up, so our kids were able to see their grandparents often, but but not as regularly as we'd like for them to. But Mack and Evelyn, this couple in the church, they just kind of hit it off with our kids. They just loved our kids. And there's a little place in Kernsville, it's called Doss's, and it was was a little place where you could get, you know, a hot dog and ice cream, you know, one of those kind of places, you know, where you you go get things that you don't tell your doctor about. And and so, on Sunday afternoons, periodically, they would call our house and they would say, "Um, what do you guys got going on this afternoon? Oh, not much, we're just going to, you know, kind of hang out, watch the ball games, you know, just just relax a little bit. Mind if we come by and get your kids? We're going to go up and get a hot dog and some ice cream. It's funny because they seldom said, do y'all want to go with us? <laughs> but they loved our kids. And our kids loved them because they realized that church people care about us. And before then, it was Charlie and Susan who loved and cared for our kids in the, in the previous church. And there were a lot of times, Charlie and Susan learned the hard way. You don't say to my kids, not, the, not those two, why don't you just come to my house? Because they're going to go, okay. And then when they realized you were kidding, that's not funny. No, they went home with you. Because there was a relationship. There was some bonding. It was there. We vow we will nurture these children and by our teaching and by our examples. You know, we're blessed in this church. And we share this story because Luke spends an incredible amount of time showing us how seriously Joseph and Mary took raising a child. And we're the church, and that's our responsibility. And there's some children in this room right now. And I encourage you, I mean, the hallways are full of kids right now. When you see one, smile at them, say good morning. When you run into a teenager, say hello. They will not hurt you. (laughs) They're great kids, great young people who love for somebody to love and show them attention as well. So say hello. Take the opportunity to say hello. And when you're in church sometime and, and, and then there's that that one child who may not be happy about being here, have you ever noticed that? I mean, I think all of us have, have been there at some point when our kid decided, this sermon is too long. <laughs> And they start getting unhappy and you start hearing the restlessness, you know, and you start seeing a parent starting to wrestle with their kid a little bit and and they're trying to figure out what do we do next. What I would encourage you not to do, I ask you, please do not do, please don't give them the look. (laughs) You know, the look, you know, when you, you, you see, you know, you hear that going on and you look over and you're going... You know, it's like, get, what, what? Maybe when that parent's already struggling, the last thing they need is for the rest of the church to give them the look. Because what you need to remember, remember is that's not just their kid. That's God's kid. And when we baptized that child, it became your kid. So now this is our situation. So why don't you look over at them and smile? Move over and see how you can help. But out of love and not judgment. Because God was looking for somebody who knew how to love a kid. Because how we nurture the faith of another one, it's just critical. So many people invested in me. And I thank God for them. I still call their names. I can still see them, even though many of them died years ago. Now, the question is, who is waiting for you to invest in them? And what are they missing when we don't? Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't stray. Might just make a preacher.